As the weather gets cooler, those creepy crawly little bugs are probably starting to hide deep in the litter in your coops and your barns. That's why we use First Saturday Lime in all of our animal enclosures and our gardens. First Saturday Lime is the strongest and safest pesticide alternative on the market. It will not burn you or your animals, yet is strong enough to repel insects and dry up their eggs and larvae. First Saturday Lime can also be used to freshen up your coops and barns. It soaks up the stink and helps extend the time between cleanup. So go to firstsaturdaylime.com and use code DRINK at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. Hey, Sam. Oh, hey, Beth. What you drinking over there? So I am being a party pooper today, and I'm drinking some coffee. But coffee is delicious, so I'm not disappointed in my choice. I just didn't think that cough medicine and a beer would mix very well. It'd be a super weird episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be a good, like thing for the patreon outtakes but <laughs> right <laughs> it create a whole lot of extra work for me so i decided to go with coffee and i decided to brew the coffee that we got in our henny and rue box from last month the barnyard mm. coffee company coffee and it is delicious i'm a big fan so there's that yummy but what are you drinking over there so yesterday i went to my favorite place across from TSC because TSC is probably my favorite place um <laughs> and it's called Marendorf's it's in Williamston Michigan um so if you're in the area make sure you go in there and check it out because they have all sorts of stuff including like garlic and herb uh cheese curds which are just so good which makes me think I should have brought some in here <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't need a snack when they're drinking but I, I like it because you can make your own six pack and they have a decent variety of craft beer and so I walked in there yesterday and they had Traffic Jam by Blake's Hard Cider and mm. I almost squealed out loud because I've been following it on their social media and I'm like gosh that sounds good because it's strawberry blackberry and raspberry cider it's so good. I just took a sip of it while you're talking about your coffee, and I'm so happy. I wish I would have grabbed more. Nice. I'm going to have to see if I can find that. My beer choices aren't super, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Prevalent. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a ton of beer choices like in my immediate area, but I am going to the city tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I say that like I'm a fancy person. You going are. to the city. <laughs> so maybe I'll get to go check out a bottle shop tomorrow and find some more fun stuff. Yeah, I talked myself into going there because I was like, well, you know, I've been on the canned wine kick for a while and I have a couple more, but... Sometimes drinking a can of wine during the episode uh, makes me, like, go have a lot of snacks afterwards and not be so productive. Whereas, like, a (laughs) a beer, like, especially we're recording and it's almost noon. I need to go clean out the pig pen (laughs) after this. So I decided to spice things up and um, get some fun ones for, like, the next six weeks. And then the bottle shop guy... um, He's got like a ton of different wine to the point where it's intimidating. And it was the first time that I've ever seen him there. And he started talking to me and I automatically like shelled up like, oh, no, I'm just looking because I knew he probably knew a lot about wine. And I'm very like honky about it. (laughs) (laughs) Honky about wine. I like that. (laughs) But he was super cool and like. I told him the only thing I don't really like in wine is like how oaky it is and or, or can be. And so he showed me like his best sellers and he was like, you know, with these price points, if you don't like it, it's fine. Um, but he introduced me to two pretty good wines yesterday. So I'm glad I kind of got over my shyness <laughs> and talked to him because it was actually pretty productive. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's always nice to run into experts and in something that you're interested in that aren't like 
hoity-toity jerks mm-hmm. about their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. Exactly. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in the farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up over on our Patreon. That means this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. And if you want to go check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash drinkandfarm and become a Patreon peep at the $2 level or above. And I saw a very exciting email the other day that our fall gifts have shipped to Bev's house, which means that if you're currently at the $5 level or above, your fall gift will be coming very shortly. How exciting. I was just getting ready to say that I hadn't seen a shipping notification yet, so I didn't know when they were arriving. So I'm glad you caught that this week because I I totally missed that email. Like opened it and didn't mark it as unread so you wouldn't see it. And then the the, the, like subject line was super weird for it. And I like almost thought it was like a virus. (laughs) Didn't click on it. Well, I'm glad you clicked on it and found out. So Mm -hmm. that's exciting. As soon as they arrive, I'll get them packaged up and turned out to you guys. So yay. Yes. Yay. And this week's drink sponsor is Natalie Quist. That is one of the Patreon levels. And we're currently full on those spots right now. Um, But she sponsored our drinks this episode. So cheers, Natalie. Cheers. So we don't have any corrections this week that I'm aware of. Amen. Oh, right. (laughs) But I do have some follow-up on one of my can't evens from a few weeks ago. Okay. So uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about Maurice, the French rooster, and he was being sued by some neighbors for crowing too much Mm. as like a noise complaint. (laughs) And his case has gone through the French courts, and it has been decided that Maurice is free to crow as his little rooster heart desires. Aw, yay, buddy. (laughs) Yes, um, which is really exciting. Um, And I'll just give you a little bit of back story and read a little bit of this article about it. And I'll link to this article in the show notes. We pulled it from CNN. Um, But it says, a French rooster named Maurice at risk of being silenced for good is now free to crow to his heart's content after a civil court ruled in his favor on Thursday. Maurice, who lives with his owner, Corinne Fissot, in the village of Saint-Pierre-de-Oleron, I'm not French, sorry, French people, (laughs) (laughs) on the Isle of Oleron, I'm going to butcher it again, (laughs) was put on trial in July after neighbors objected to his early morning crowing. So what was really exciting about this case is that not only did they decide that the rooster was free to crow in the country, because the rooster was there first, if you remember from my can't even, Um, but uh, the court also ordered the neighbors that sued them to pay a thousand euros, which is about $1,100 in damages to cover the rooster's owner's court costs. in this case. And the owner was super relieved that she won this fight. And she says, I quote, I hope that this will advance things in communes all over France and that this case will set a a jurisprudence. Jurisprudence. Yeah. Um, And why that's so important is because like there's a big divide between rural and urban dwellers. And that's not just in the United States. It's clearly all over the world because this case is specifically in France. And the people who were suing the rooster weren't even full-time country dwellers. They were city people who just had a vacation home there and visited it a few times a year. So the whole thing was just like kind of maddening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because like roosters are a quintessential sound of the countryside. So if you don't like the way the country smells or sounds, you probably shouldn't hang out in the country. 
But that's just my two cents. So the rooster got a whole lot of um, support. A bunch of people signed petitions saying, like, you know, let more roosts crow or whatever. And, um, yeah, uh, he's had a lot of visitors, too, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> So Maurice so the Rooster popular. has fans, yeah. But yeah. I thought that was really exciting that he won his case. And since we talked about it, we should follow up on it. So there we go. Congratulations to that loudmouth rooster and his family. I'm sure that that was very stressful for everyone involved. Yes, yes, I'm sure. So I actually have a bit of follow-up today, too. Um, so about like a year and a half-ish ago, um, I started getting uh, a bunch of like sick chickens on my farm. And um, it turns out after getting a necropsy, it was avian leukosis. And it had been kind of like a uh, quiet around our farm for probably like nine months almost. Like we lost a bunch last May. Um, and then it was quiet. Then we lost a bunch in December um, because the inc- uh, the dormancy period can be like six months. Um, that's how long it takes for like the tumors to develop and things like that. Uh, so it had been like nine months before we lost any chicken and knew that that's what it was um, based on symptoms and behavior and things like that. Um, so it's it's strikes again on my farm this past week with one bird um who went down rapidly and then another bird um i caught her super early because i was being very vigilant with those chickens in the pen um and so i got her got some vitamins in her she seems to be doing a lot better she's still separated right now um but yeah so i just wanted to say thank you if you reached out to me via Instagram, um, because I talked about it openly in my stories. Um, and a lot of people said they've never heard of it before, which reminded me that I probably have quite a new, uh, a lot of new followers and in the podcast has more listeners now since we originally talked about it. So if you're interested in more detail about what avian leukosis is, how I figured out how my flock had it. And for more general information, you can check out episode 19. No wonder my goats have diarrhea and episode 20 knock on wood. Um, because that was kind of like the, before I got the results and then after I got the results, because it was, um, between probably Marix and avian leukosis, which act very similarly, um, but it spreads very differently. So if you're interested in learning more about that, um, go back to those episodes, please forgive our audio at that point. (laughs) It was improving, (laughs) but it's not as good as as it is today. So yeah, make sure you check those out if you haven't yet. Yeah, I'm glad that you looked those up um, and reminded people to go watch those because I forget that we have probably 20 times more listeners now yeah. than we did back when we recorded those older episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So today in the bulk of the episode, um, you've probably seen this if you followed me on on Instagram, but Hamlet has graduated to the outdoors Um, And I wanted to talk about this today because I've had Hamlet for about a year and a half and I've never talked about like normal pig things in an episode. I did introduce him in episode five titled I wasn't even drunk and I bought a pig because it was St. Patrick's Day when we got him. (laughs) And he's a Juliana pig. So they remain relatively small, um, but there is no true like teacup pig. Um, they all get at least probably like 40, 50 pounds. Um, Ham Ham's probably like 45. Um, so he's a little dude, but he's pretty big. And we did have him indoors for about that whole year and a half. Um, but he was getting bigger. He was outgrowing his indoor pen. And we had this nice indoor pen. And then we had like a dog cage within a pen for him. And that's where he would like chill out and sleep. Um, but we started having some behavioral issues that I believe were driven by boredom and, and outgrowing that space. And he also did this really cute thing, which I found out is normal mini pig behavior, actually, from some of my research. And between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. every single morning until somebody get, gets up to give him attention, he would pick up his cage with his nose and slam it on the ground. 
Oh, joy. And it was loud. Oh, my God. So, and his cage was like that wall was right butted up against where our headboard is. <sighs> so I'd get up and put him in his, the cage within the cage, um, which he started really outgrowing. So I started feeling very guilty doing that because I knew he was comfortable, but I knew he probably wouldn't be comfortable for much longer. And I couldn't just let him slam his cage for like an hour in the middle of the night until he calmed down. No, everyone needs sleep. <laughs> yeah. But I tur- it turns out my husband would pretend to still like be sleeping through it. But he'd wake up too. He just wouldn't get up and do anything about it. He was just making you get up to yeah. take care of the pig baby. <laughs> yeah, the pig that I wanted. <laughs> so, you know, we work all day. And even though I work from home like three days a week, he would be in his cage more often than not because I'd be on conference calls and I couldn't have him you know, squealing in the background or like getting into something (laughs) while I'm on the phone. So he was in there a lot. I could tell he was bored and he didn't have enough room to do any of his piggy behavior, like rooting, which we'll talk about in a second here. Um, But I wanted to talk about how I for sure knew that Ham Ham was not happy. Um, So I pulled two articles from the American Mini Pig Association. Um, So we'll talk about those today. And we're going to cover normal mini pig behaviors like rooting and vocalizations. And Bev thinks I'm going to make all these noises, but we'll see um, if I actually do. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to root for you to make all those noises. <laughs> was, was there a pun there? There was. Root? There was a pig pun. <laughs> that was quick. I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, my brain is actually like on target today, which is Because you're impressive. not drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. <laughs> Maybe if I slam the rest of this hard cider, I'll make all the noises. We'll see. I mean, we can always make the noises back and forth at each other and see which one sounds more accurate. I don't know. And then people start hitting the unsubscribe button and we lose all our sponsors. Mute. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, we'll start with rooting. Um, It's a natural behavior that pigs need an outlet for. So restricting rooting or outdoor time will actually really frustrate the pig, which can cause behavioral issues. So you got to make sure they have their rooting needs met and outdoor time met because they can become obsessive with their rooting indoors and actually ruin carpeting and laminate flooring, which would make nobody happy. So rooting is a natural behavior for pigs where the pigs use the snout to push or nudge into something repeatedly and pigs root in different ways for different reasons. Um, It can be for comfort, to communicate, to cool off or to search for food. And it's important for them um, to have those appropriate outlets and you can give them blankets and a patch of yard that they can actually go root around in. Now, I will say, and maybe this makes me a bad pig mom, Ham Ham, because he was litter box trained, um, he didn't go outside a lot. And as he got bigger and heavier, it was like less and less that he was going outside. So I think that was part of the issue, too. Um, And it's interesting because the rooting behavior actually starts when they're born because piglets will root at their mother's teat to trigger milk letdown. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. Um, and actually goats kind of do the same motion. Um, it looks kind of violent in my opinion. <laughs> but Especially it's... when you're thinking that there's nipples involved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's actually instinctual and comforting for the piglets to, to do that behavior. And after the piglets are weaned, they will continue to root for comfort, similar to like a toddler using a pacifier. So they will root against their family and blankets and flooring and piglets more li- are li- more likely to root for comfort when they are tired or hungry. Um, piglets do outgrow this type of rooting as they get bigger, but it doesn't completely go away. Rooting is used a lot in pig communications at all ages. Pigs will root at your legs gently to politely ask for a bite of food if you're making dinner Um, they will root hard enough to leave bruises though, um, to demand food if they are allowed. And Hamlet, when he would get up on the couch to cuddle, 
he would root under the blanket and because he was sitting on our laps, he would root our legs and sometimes it was hard enough to leave bruises and you do have to like get after them to stop it. Otherwise, they just don't know any better. They don't know that they're doing it too hard. Yeah, they don't know that they're hurting you. That's mm-hmm. like, um, Hurt kind of does a rooting behavior also, like with his lips, like when he's nuzzling his face against me and I have to get on him and I yelp really loud and I go, ouch, when he like, <laughs> does it too hard because he always backs up and he goes, oh, and then he like oh, does sorry. it gentler. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's better. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Um, so when pigs are outdoors, they obviously want to cool off, especially in the summer. So if they have a mud hole or a kiddie pool, um, they will use it. And if there are no other places to lower their body temperature in the heat, they will use their snout to dig a hole into the cool dirt. And because pigs are food driven, they naturally use their snout to root in search of food. And outside they will do this by digging up grass and other plants in search of roots and bugs. So there is no prevention or training that can stop them from doing this outside. So if your pig is becoming destructive in the yard, he will need a fenced area where he is allowed to root. And that was a big thing for Hamlet, too. Um, I think that was part of his cage slamming. He knew I'd come out, but it was also rooting behavior um, associated with food. And then he'd also root in his litter box if he was extremely bored, which is gross. And then he would also root in his blankets and tear them apart, which I didn't really care because they were his blankets. Um, but that was something he was constantly doing. So he's much happier now that he's outside and nobody yells at him for the type of rooting he's doing. <laughs> he's like, I'm just a pig. I got a root, man. He does. Okay. So next we'll talk about mini pig communication and kind of trying to figure out what is your mini pig telling you and this can translate to big pigs too i don't think this is just mini pigs it's just that this is from american mini pigs association um and it's driven towards educating people that are going to have a different relationship with their pig this isn't like a food relationship like you're not going to eat your mini pig at least i don't think um so it's it's a little different than livestock Pigs have complex social structures and communication, and to communicate with each other, they use body language, vocal communications, and scents and pheromones. Now, our sense of smell cannot pick up most of their species-specific signals, so we're going to focus more on the body and vocal cues. I will say, Ham Ham, in his last days in the house, was getting very gassy and teeny. Oh. <laughs> And I can smell that. Tootie ham ham. Tootie ham ham. So vocalizations can be grunts, squeals, barks, huffs, hot panting, scar screams, orfs, and a whole lot that are hard to type um, or, or, you know, define. So body language um, will include posture movement, lack of movement, direction of movement, expressions, head movements, physical contact, closeness, and eye contact. So first, we'll start with vocalizations, the part that Bev's been waiting for. Yay! <laughs> Pigs vocalize for all the same reasons we do. And there have been several studies that have um, evaluated swine vocalizations that also apply to mini pigs. Oftentimes, vocalizations alone will tell you a lot. Um, and combining vocalizations with body language, environment, and other signs coming from the pig um, will put together a whole picture of what your pig is feeling in that moment. So in general, high-pitched vocalizations are stress-related, while low-pitched vocalizations are comfortable, relaxed communications between loved ones. A pig that whines, screeches, or shrills is not happy, And that typically means they're stressed, agitated, or they're challenging you. A pig that coos or grunts rhythmically is content and relaxed by those he trusts and loves. So some examples of angry, agitated, or aggressive vocalizations are jaw chomping or clacking, teeth grinding. But this can also be a pleasant response. So this one isn't really dependent or doesn't really tell you exactly the whole picture. You got to kind of... Look at everything else to determine what's causing the teeth grinding. And screeching with a shrill tone as if the pig is screeching at you, forcefully telling you something. 
happy, excited, or content vocalizations. Um, grunting. Pigs grunt to greet each other, talk to their piglets, communicate with loved ones, and simply to chatter about their day. Um, this is very content communication as they chat and bond. And then there's an oof, oof, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this greeting can sound like laughing or monkey noises, as I clearly just displayed. Um, and this is a mellow, soft sound. It's not particularly loud. Um, it doesn't have sharp tones or fluctuations. It's kind of a level noise. And if you're getting this greeting, you should consider yourself cherished. Um, and pigs will often do this after they've been away from their owners for several hours and they get excited to see you. Then there's hot panting, which I can't really um, try to do this one because it'll like probably sound really horrible in a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, they will come close to you and uh, or, or a body part like your foot and huff, 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 blowing air onto you. Um and sometimes they even curl their lips just a little bit. And the body language with that shows a, comp- a pig completely at ease and relaxed. And he trusts you and probably enjoys your companionship. And then we go back to the teeth grinding thing. So they actually grind their teeth when they're relaxing and content. But you want to pay attention to the timing and body language. Like, is it time for dinner? Is he pacing? Is his eyes are his eyes darting across the room? Um, is he staring at his arch nemesis, which might be another pet or a person? Um, he's not happy if he's if he's doing some of that. And if he, you know, is kind of getting a belly rub or snuggled up under your favorite comforter, then he's very happy with you. Um, so yeah, Hamlet would do this quite a bit, um, and it did mean both. That's for sure. Um, he would do it really a lot when my stepkids are here because they're not here very often and he's not used to them sitting on the other couch and he would get emotional about it. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Until they moved. Like if they tried to sit down and talk to him, same thing. He just wasn't used to them. They, they have stranger danger. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) He'd also do some of this stuff too. When our black lab would lay down next to his cage because it was too close. No, he's like, you're in my space. Get (laughs) out of my bubble. (laughs) Get out of here, peasant. (laughs) Okay. So now we're going to go on to fear or stress vocalizations, which if you watch any vet show where there's pigs, um, you know they're screaming when they're picked up. And these have actually been recorded at decibels rivaling a jet engine. I'm not sure if that's a joke or not, but it feels legitimate. <laughs> I've heard a pig scream, and it's super loud. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. So pigs and piglets will squeal or scream at the top of their lungs for pain or fear. So um, when a pig screams from fear or pain he will also try to get away from the trigger so his body language will tense his movements will be quick and jerky and sporadic like like a chipmunk which feels ridiculous for how big a pig (laughs) is um and he is in extreme distress and feels like he's fighting for his life and if given the chance he will flee or flee and elude capture um and you're not gonna know or you're gonna know if your pig's screaming just trust me Um, and the only reason you, or the only way you can get them to stop screaming is to take away the trigger. So restraint actually often triggers a fear response in animals, like lifting them off the ground. That feels like their life's being threatened. Um, when you place them in a bathtub, that can be very intimidating and overwhelming. Um, and you got to think of it from like their point of view. You got to keep them calm and relaxed, slowly introduce them to new things and sensations and give them time to process and to trust. And then they won't feel the need to scream, at least for that long. So this is really interesting. I feel like the mini pigs um, behaviors are actually really similar to the donkeys. And they're both really smart. Yeah. So I wonder if their intelligence level... Like has something to do with how they use their body language and vocalizations to communicate. 
It totally might. I know. I think I've read before that like pigs have the intelligence of a four year old. Oh. It might actually be smarter than dogs. Which Ham Ham got his potty training done down in like two days without really us having to do much of anything. So he is very smart. <laughs> yeah. And donkeys are really intelligent too. Like you tell them once or twice and they like they get it. As Aww. long as they understand you, they know what to expect from you. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Um, another stress or fear vocalization can be a bark or an arf. <laughs> and this is a quick, sharp sound that they make when they're startled or spooked, which Ham Ham is easily startled. So I've heard the <sighs> kind of sucking in noise or the <sighs> noise from him. <laughs> it's just very quick. Um, and it's a similar sound. That can be made when it's feeling the piglet is or pig is feeling excited or playful. Um, so again, you gotta keep an eye on the body language to get that whole picture. And then there are vocalizations of demand, which you will hear probably during like mealtime. And that can include screeching, screaming, or hollering. Um, and this isn't necessarily aggressive or challenging, but it isn't it certainly isn't the communication of a well-behaved well-mannered pig child as the article puts it whichever <laughs> form it, pig child <laughs> pig child it's so accurate uh which um whichever form it takes these vocalizations are forceful loud and long so the pig wants something and expects to get it he will usually use his voice to convey his need and the body language from the demanding pig is confident tall head and eyes forward, usually trying to make eye contact and its head is up. He has something to say and he wants you to hear it and his movements are precise and organized and he is in complete control. We definitely had this at dinner time. Hamlet would know when it was almost five o'clock. I'm not kidding. And that's when he'd get fed. Um, and he would make these noises and just stare at you because his pen was like kitty corner from the couch and he can stare <laughs> and this is very different body language and behavior um compared to a scared or fearful pig so with that um now we can move on to talking about piggy body language and there are three categories dominant and challenging submissive or compliant fearful anxiety or reactive and again it's important to think from the pig's perspective and realize that pigs live in a tight knit social structure within their family. So there's a leader and that leader has earned the right to be in that position. And that leader is respected and trusted with the welfare of everyone. And if for some reason a pig believes the leader to be lacking, he or she will feel obligated to make a challenge to overtake the leader. And a weak leader is not good for the herd. Um, it's a it's a sign of vulnerability for the entire family and can cause stress and strain within the herd. So for this case, we would be considered the pig's leader. And you have to be consistent and a strong, worthy leader. And if you've earned it, your pig will trust and respect you. But if your pig thinks you're full of shit, he will challenge you. <laughs> Not out of spite or hate, but out of concern for his own safety or her own safety. So you always have to remember a pig lives the life of a prey animal. And at the very core of their existence, it's all about self-preservation. Whereas for us, like we don't really have predators um, that we have to worry about on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so you don't have, you got to kind of take yourself out of your own headspace and think like a pig. So do you think that like that is similar to like the relationship you've been building with Herc, that whole leader thing? Yeah, it sounds exactly like that. And it was really interesting, the training that I'm doing with Herc, when she describes like what a fair leader is to a donkey, like it totally make made sense. She talks about how you shouldn't interact with your donkey or try to train your donkey when you're feeling overly emotional mm. because he can sense it 
And when he senses those kinds of like, I don't want to say like, I guess emotional vulnerability is the word I want to use. It can feel uneasy to him because you're the leader. So you have to be confident and you also have to be fair. So like when you're interacting with a donkey or it sounds like with a mini pig, like when you're teaching something, you have to be consistent in the way that you reward or correct. And also the reward or correction needs to be in line with whatever happened, you know, like overreactions or like, you know, lots of yelling or like arms flailing around like (laughs) those won't be interpreted as being a fair or level-minded leader to a donkey and it sounds like to a pig also yeah well that's really interesting i'm glad that this stuff can apply across species because hopefully this can help other people yeah and you know i was gonna say i feel like it has really helped me in communicating with the rooster also because Stephen Rue Morris has really been kind of trying my patience because (laughs) it's kind of um so he's taken the fun away from hanging out with the chickens for the kids Mm -hmm. which is like a really big disappointment because like I got them for them but I've been showing them how to talk to him when you're walking up and he doesn't he doesn't do that run thing at us anymore. Good. But I have to know where he's at and I have to start it. Because if I like forget to look for him and he like sneaks up around a corner, he'll still like come up and try to flog me. But like the other day, I just I rolled him really quickly with my foot and then he got up and then started pecking at the ground and pretended like I wasn't there. I was like, (laughs) yeah, you thought you were going to sneak up on me? Like, come on. (laughs) The boot always wins, buddy. (laughs) Like, I don't kick him really hard. I just, like, gently, like, pushed him away. Because now that I know how to communicate with him, I'm not reacting in fear anymore like I was. But when Mm -hmm. I was reacting in fear, like, it was a shit show out there. And I wasn't being a leader. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It's totally changed my headspace, which has been really interesting. So I'm interested to see, like, how it translates to all of the other animals and the way that I interact with everybody. So I don't know. We'll see. No, I agree. I gotta do the same thing with Lance. If I don't see him first, then he'll try something. But if I see him first and tell him no, back off, then he still keeps an eye on me, but it's not as threatening. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a mutual relationship. Because like what I tell him is I'm always like, I know that you're just protecting your hens and you think that I'm a threat. But I assure you, I'm not a threat. I'm just here to refill the water and give treats. And I'm he kind of like is eyeballing me. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I believe you, but I'm going to watch you just to make sure. <laughs> and he's not a fan of when I pick the chickens up. So I tried not to handle yeah. them in front of him because he, he like really freaks him out. But, you know. Yeah. I was taking pictures with chickens yesterday and Lance was just standing there and staring at me too. And it was a little... A little intimidating because he's his spurs are crazy huge. Oh, I bet he's a big boy. All right, so back to body language of mini pigs, which turns out to translate to quite a few different animals. So this is kind of neat. Um, for uh, to determine if your mini pig is dominant or trying to be challenging, um. And, and there might be several reasons why they're acting this way. A stranger could come to your house. The pig might perceive that stranger as a threat or a new herd member. Um, one who needs to be challenged in order to position himself. Um, and so if, if you think it's that, some signs of body language are um, like a tight and stiff body, confident posture, um, quick and jerky movements, moving their heads first towards another and head swiping, which is swinging the head to the side of in a threatening manner, chomping their jaws or teeth together and foaming at the mouth. So sometimes we'd see a little bit of that chomping and foaming um, during mealtime. He would also try to slam his cage around that 5 p.m. time for dinner time, um, kind of like challenging us. Like, I'm going to be an a-hole until you feed me. Um So it's interesting to see like this written out because it wasn't like a danger thing to him. It was just kind of him being demanding and challenging us. (laughs) 
So another, the other category is submissive and or compliant. So um, a submissive pig is a relaxed pig. Um, and they acknowledge and respect their place in the family. And they understand that you're in charge. And they're happy to have someone protect them. Um, and they are considered to be well-trained. Um, they tend to follow instructions well. Um, and they happily greet their family when they come home. And maybe even spin around gleefully with the zoomies. Which Aww. are adorable. Their body language is relaxed and slow-moving. Um, they're not super observant. Um, their ears are forward listening and nose up sniffing as they are approached for tr- with treats um, or if they want treats, which is adorable. I can confirm that. Um, they might be just kind of casually grazing in the yard. Um, those playful movements like sprinting, galloping, spinning, and zooming around. Um, or they could be relatively quiet with happy, contented grunts or greetings. And then the final category is fearful, anxiety, or reactive. Um, And this is when the pig is stressed from fear and anxiety. These pigs will be very reactive to your movements. And if the pig is fearful, it's important to work towards gaining trust and building confidence, which if you have a brand new piggy um, that you just brought home, they're probably not going to like you right away. And they're going to be scared. Um, So these things just take time. Um... And the, if the p- pig is fearful, um, they don't mean to harm anyone, but they will lash out because they're trying to protect themselves. So you want to work very carefully with a fearful pig to avoid damaging trust or provoking aggressive behavior. And signs of um, fearful or anxiety-driven or reactive behavior are quick movements, loud squealing, squawking, and agitated grunts in protest erratic movements when asked to move um their forward facing posture and their eyes are focused on one person and they do not break eye contact so based on all of that we were seeing some anxiety and boredom responses from hamlet that i didn't like and they were kind of increasing to the point where when i like went in to grab his food bowl he kind of nipped my wrist which piggies have very strong jaws even a mini pig So that's kind of when I was like, okay, you're not happy in here. I'm becoming unhappy with how unhappy you are in here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, um, and I don't think Matt's ever really been a fan of Hamlet being in the house. Like, there was some, like, novelty to it at first. But I think the litter box in the house kind of started grossing him out a little bit. And when it would get a little stinkier, he'd get frustrated. Um. So it was kind of like, well, you know, it might be better for our marriage, too, if Hamlet goes outside. Not only will he be happier, (laughs) my husband will be happier. And they say, like, happy wife, happy life. But that has to go both ways. Yeah, it totally does. (laughs) (laughs) And I can totally see that being something that would be a little upsetting. Like, I don't like cat boxes or litter boxes Mm. or any bathrooming in the house. Which is why I've never had any like inside animals that require that kind of thing. Because like mm-hmm. something about the presence of it just like brings down my mood and I can't explain it. Like even if it doesn't necessarily smell, just like mm-hmm. the fact that it's there just like kills me for some reason. It's just something about my personality. <laughs> so maybe yeah, Matt suffers no, from part of the same thing. <laughs> maybe. You both are just too fancy for poo in the house. (laughs) Sorry, no poo in the house. (laughs) So, um, you know, I did some quick Googling and I literally Googled, how do you move an indoor pig outdoors without like traumatizing them? Um, And it's actually way easier to do than I thought. And I think it was tougher on me than it was Hamlet. And we already had an area in the barn that we had as a birthing slash baby goat area earlier in the year. So we just modified the door and put it back up. So some of our goats kind of lost space that they were running around in. But, like, they're all mingling together throughout the day and then they just sleep at night. So it wasn't a big deal to kind of condense their space a little bit. Um, but we cleaned it out, put down lime put in an overabundance of straw in the area because pigs love to bury themselves in straw and root around in it. 
And then I moved his litter box and ball pit. Yes, he has a ball pit. That's the best. (laughs) And his blankets outside. And I made like, I put a sheet over his ball pit. So it's kind of like a tent almost. (laughs) Um, And so that's where he sleeps now. Um, And brought him outside. So we like carried the small cage outside and like put him in there. And he like kind of was freaked out for like two minutes and wouldn't like come all the way out of the cage. But when we got him, he was about six months old, and he'd been living in a barn in a bunch of straw anyways. So I think he just took him a little bit to realize, oh, I used to play in this stuff all the time. And within an hour, he was rolling around in the straw and letting me give him belly rubs, which he has never done. Oh. So he's been way happier outside. I'm sure he misses binge watching Netflix with us. Because he did like to watch TV, but (laughs) he is no longer really showing any um, signs of boredom or aggression. I'll go out there and sit in the pen with him. Because the nice thing is he's still pooping. Like the the litter pan's not really working because of how much he's rooting in the straw. And so the straw gets pushed over it, but he's still pooping in that general area. And then he's not pooping or peeing anywhere else. So it's like super easy to clean and take care of. It's not like a goat where they just kind of poo everywhere. <laughs> they poo in all the worst places. Yes, poo and pee. <laughs> um, so I feel like this is another example of how easy it is to project human feelings and emotions onto animals. <laughs> By that, I do not mean that animals don't have feelings or emotions, but that it's what makes us uncomfortable um, is what we tend to kind of lean towards. But it may not be the best thing for them. So I now I'm kind of like well, maybe I should have moved him outside sooner because now he's running around. He's thrilled. He's not bored. He's got stuff to do out there. It's way more space. Um, We don't have direct access for him to go outside yet because I wanted to get him used to just being out in the barn. Um, And with winter coming and stuff, I'm not sure how he'll do with the temp drops, which is another reason why there's a ton of straw in there and blankets so he can bury himself. So he'll be fine. But I'm going to wait till the spring to like make his own little piggy pen outside that way he can kind of get out of the heat and play in a pool and and things like that but he's doing perfectly fine his skin and hair is actually looking way better out there too oh awesome yeah Yeah. i mean skin and hair can get like dull from stress Mm -hmm. so oh that's uh i mean i think it sounds like you made the best decision moving him out there which is cool yeah so you know if you have a mini pig or thinking about getting a mini pig, um, just keep those things in mind and, and know that that relationship can evolve and it's okay to put them outside because, spoiler alert, they might be happier outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's end. really cool. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad that Ham Ham is happy now. And Me I too. just thought of something for Ham Ham for the winter. I think he needs a puffer vest. so that might have to become a thing (laughs) yes he might need one of those for sure so now it's time for we can't even corner yay what do you got this week bev so uh i can't believe that a 76 year old woman died in australia recently (laughs) after a few pecks from a rooster Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like everybody's worst nightmare. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and I've joked before how I never want to pass out in the chicken coop because I'm positive all that will be left are bones. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they're cannibalistic. (laughs) They are. And so what this lady ended up dying from was a catastrophic vein injury. And she was 76. Because, like, when I first read it, I was like... (laughs) She must have been spurred. I'm like, there's no way a rooster pecked her skin and broke it like that. But she's 76. So, yeah. 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 And, like, the whole thing is semi-terrifying because, like, I just – I can't imagine suddenly realizing that I got pecked and that I had a wound that wouldn't stop bleeding. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's so scary. It's like every chicken keeper's worst nightmare. But there was some interesting discussion in our group because someone actually did post this in the group, but I had already chosen it as my can't even for the week. Um, But they were talking about how um, in some uh, like homes for uh, 
older individuals, they just sometimes when they start to bleed, they don't realize that they need to put pressure on it to like stem the bleeding. Do you remember seeing that in the group? Yeah. Yeah. And I thought like, wow, that's really fascinating. So this is a good opportunity to remind everybody that when you get a bleeding wound, you need to put something on it and put some pressure on it to stop the bleeding. Yes, please. (laughs) But um, according to pathologists from the University of Adelaide and the Netherlands, um, the rooster's pecking caused a significant hemorrhage with collapse and death. So that was what I know. And death was due to exsanguination from bleeding varicose veins. So she also had varicose veins on her legs, which are not uncommon the older you get. I've got like a handful of them. So um, and they're probably only going to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she also had. Well, it says the freak accident has less to do with killer foul and more to do with a tragic confluence of pre-existing conditions. So this isn't something that suddenly everybody needs to, like, panic about. Your rooster's probably not going to kill you. The odds are in your favor. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The pathologist found that the woman had been treated for hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, and varicose veins in the past. So... Like what this demonstrated was that even relatively small domestic animals may be able to inflict lethal injuries to individuals if there are specific vascular vulnerabilities present. So it was really interesting. I'll link to this article in the show notes, but in inside the article, they like link to the paper that was written about this because apparently there was like a scientific study and stuff done on this specific Jeez. case. And <laughs> um, the whole thing is just terrifying fascinating and super weird (laughs) so do you think that rooster went to the crock pot i imagine so i mean like i can't imagine keeping a rooster that killed my grandmother so i mean (laughs) oh my gosh i also wouldn't want to eat it either i i'd probably just kill it and throw in the burn barrel (laughs) that would that would be how i would take care of that yeah so, uh, what what's your what's your thing this week? <laughs> <laughs> so my can't even this week is um, I'll be referencing an article from People.com, and the headline reads: "Vegan woman sued her neighbors for barbecuing meat in their backyard." Quote, it's been <laughs> devastating. Sela Carden of Perth, Australia, claimed that she couldn't use her backyard because it smelled of fish. Which, you know what? When fish is cooking, it's not pleasant. I avoid taking tuna to work and eating it in my office because it's a a closed-in area and and fish just smells. Um, But... uh, (laughs) this is stupid in my opinion (laughs) like really (laughs) let's just get this out of the way this is ridiculous (laughs) this is ridiculous and maybe you feel differently if if you're a vegan or even if if not to me this is just ridiculous um so an australian vegan has been locked in a legal battle with her neighbors for years after claiming they purposely use their barbecue to cook meat and to send the smells wafting into her backyard so Scylla is a massage therapist and has taken her neighbors to court multiple times beginning in August 2017 over various claims, including the meat, the sound of scraping chairs, noisy pet birds, and reflective light. She kind of sounds like a special kind of person. Oh. <laughs> She also has issues with her neighbors smoking cigarettes and allowing their children to bounce basketballs. I mean, lock those kids up. (laughs) She says they've put the barbecue there so I smell fish. All I can smell is fish. I can't enjoy my backyard. I can't go out there. She continued, it's been devastating. It's been turmoil. It's been unrest. I haven't been able to sleep. Then move. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like, <laughs> is moving in Australia hard? I don't know. I don't, I don't live know. in Australia. Like, so, Like, for me right now, it'd be difficult to move. But you know what? I think I'd start making plans or trying to, like, take steps towards that goal if I was that unhappy. You know? <sighs> I would think so, too. Yeah. 
So she insists the behaviors are deliver- deliberate. Um, she recently took her complaints to Australia's Supreme Court and the State Administrative Tribunal, and they were dismissed. Good. Yes. <laughs> and a neighbor actually told the outlet that he has gotten rid of the offending barbecue and has also told his kids to stop playing basketball. That's a shame. Yeah. Way too nice. Australians are too nice. Yeah. Except clearly. for this lady. She's not nice. <laughs> Maybe she's not Australian. So um, another neighbor told Nine News, which is referenced in this article, Miss Carden's demands were proven to not be reasonable and indeed were to the detriment of the other owner's ability to enjoy their lots in a reasonable and acceptable manner. So though she reportedly is considered considering further legal action, Supreme Court Justice Peter Quinlan said he was not satisfied that there is an arguable case that the tribunal denied Ms. Cardin procedural fairness or acted to her disadvantage so as to cause a miscarriage of justice. So, yeah, she's going to stand her ground. And she says, I'm a good person. I just want peace and quiet. But I don't know how the, like, court system works in Australia. But anytime you go to court, it's expensive. Yeah. You have to pay, like, filing fees and stuff, yeah. even for, like, civil court. Yeah. So I don't know what this lady's problem is. I mean. She needs to, like, get some perspective in life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> she needs to start meditating. There she does. <laughs> is like I mean this is just like another example of human beings inability to just deal with being around other human beings. Yeah. Like I mean, I live in the country and like I can hear my neighbors um grandkids swimming in the pool. Some people would find that obnoxious. I think it's cute and sweet to hear them, you know, mm-hmm. being happy. Like, I I just think that we have to be more accepting of the noise that each other is going yeah. to make. And there is a difference between, like, reasonable noise and unreasonable noise. Right. So, but, like, it doesn't sound like any of this stuff was unreasonable. Like, kids should be allowed to play basketball. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you should be allowed to cook some damn fish on your barbecue if you want to cook the damn fish. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Uh, but well, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually found another article. I can't remember where it was from. Um, but it said that people were intentionally setting out barbecues now around this lady. Oh, well, now they're just goading her, which yeah. I mean, I can see I where they're coming enjoy, from. But <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I'm also like, why poke the bear? Exactly. But that's exactly. that's in my nature. I'm not a bear poking kind of person. So <laughs> that is fair. All right. So we don't have a farm story this week. So make sure if you have a farm story, it can be funny. It can be kind of sad. Maybe your goal is to make us get choked up and cry. I don't know. Um, because, it, you know, maybe you just had such a sweet moment. But you can email those to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com or send them to us on any of the social media platforms that you follow us on. Um, so today instead, we're going to read a review. And our review that we'll be reading today is from Lainey Elaine, and she left us a review on Apple Podcasts um, at the end of August. And it starts out saying, drink and farm is life, which I agree. Do you agree, Beth? I mean, it's a pretty big part of our lives. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So she says, this was my gateway podcast to podcasts. After listening to Sam and Bev, I actually stopped listening to music while driving, and I effing love music, and have been searching high and low for other podcasts that compare to this, so I'll have something to hold me over once I catch up with all of my Drink and Farm episodes. I drive home from work after long shifts at 2 a.m., and for the longest time, I was struggling to stay awake while I was driving. Not anymore. Sam and Bev are so engaging and entertaining, I actually look forward to my drive home now. They also cured my road rage because I am so focused on the conversations that I forget how mad I am at slow drivers in the fast lane and completely forget that I'm running late to work. 
Drink and farm is a must listen, and I hope it continues forever. Aww. Aww. I hope so too. <laughs> Me too. Same. Same. <laughs> so thank you, Lainey, for the extremely kind review. Like, I think it's kind of a big deal if we've cured somebody's road rage. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. We're making the world a better place, one driver at a time. Yeah. That's the that's quite the endorsement. Yes. So with that, we're gonna try a new thing where we will read our favorite Apple podcast review for each week when we record. So if you don't have an Apple product and you're like, Fudge, how do I get in on this? Well, you still can, and Bev is going to tell you how to do it. So it's really easy. All you have to do is download iTunes to your computer or your laptop And when you open up iTunes, you can search for We Drink and We Farm Things under podcasts and it'll pop up and there will be a tab on the actual Drink and Farm podcast page for rate and review. And you'll be able to rate the number of stars and write a review inside the box and submit it straight from the iTunes application on your computer or laptop because I do not have an Apple product. So Now that I have discovered this, I have a lot of podcasts I need to go rate and review. Not our own, but other people's (laughs) podcasts because I've been enjoying a lot lately. So (laughs) there you go. Thank you for explaining that to the people. So it is possible. I know it's probably a pain, but you'll want to do this because what we're going to start doing is taking, we'll take all the reviews we read from that month. So that'll be a couple for the month for each week we record. And we're going to put all the names into a hat. And that person that we draw is going to get an exclusive coffee mug that is not and never will be in our shop. So, yeah, kind of a big deal. And it's going to let Sam be super creative um, and have fun with it. Fun. So in order to make this work, make sure you leave your Instagram handle name in the review. Or um, if you don't have Instagram, um... (laughs) Maybe I don't want you to put your email in there, but if you have Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, um, leave your name in the review so we can find you and get your address. Um, but yeah, we're excited to see you guys leave us reviews. Um, like I said, we'll read one a week going forward. Um, and then, yeah, you guys are going to start getting some free stuff. Woohoo. And if this goes well, maybe we'll do it more than more than a once a month drawing but we kind of want to test it out and see how it goes so yeah i like it yeah and if you've already left us a review don't worry we're not going to leave you guys out what we're going to do this week is put all of your guys's names into a hat and we will draw a winner out of our current reviews so that we can send something to one of you guys for already having reviewed us. So thanks so much, guys. We're looking forward to getting to send you free stuff and yeah. do this fun thing. I don't know. I think it's really fun. Sam told me and I was like, Yee! <laughs> <laughs> I'm super excited about it. So I hope you guys are too. And we will figure out how to get a hold of the winner. It shouldn't be too hard because we don't have a ton yeah. of reviews right now. So yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah. So now, uh, continuation of announcements and housekeeping. Um, So if you guys didn't know, season five of Coop Dreams is happening now. If you have a Roku device like I do, um, there's actually a Coop Dreams channel and there are multiple seasons available and season five episodes are added a few days after an episode rolls out on the cable channels. Um. Coop Dream stars our friend Brad, who runs Coop Camp, which you guys heard us talk about a ton in the beginning of the year leading up to when we went. Um, And it's like a reality TV show, but with farm things. So it's really cool. I'm like binging previous uh, seasons, but I'm all caught up on season five right now. And it's been really interesting. And I think there will be like a Coop Camp episode. Oh, so you might see us on TV, guys. <laughs> That'll be kind of interesting. And yeah. if you don't know Brad, he's kind of a big deal. So yeah. <laughs> you want to go watch this. <laughs> you too. He's going to hate that you just said that. But it's I'm like gonna, a joke. <laughs> I'm going to put that in a wave file and I'm going to post that to Instagram with pictures of his face on it. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, kind of a big deal. You're welcome. <laughs> 
And like we just talked about, make sure you review us on your podcast app, preferably Apple Podcast, if you want to get in on a free mug opportunity. And make sure you hit that subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because that helps us be more visible to others. And they'll find us and then they'll find you if you're in our group. And make sure that you take a look at the show notes to find links to all the articles we discussed, a survey so you can tell us how we're doing and if you'd like us to change anything, our Facebook community, and also our various merch shops. And oh my gosh, you guys, we're finally on Twitter. So that's right. If, if you're Twitter folk, uh, make sure you find us. It's just at Drink and Farm. Um, we're planning on like kind of testing out the waters over there but i'm super excited because now i feel like we're like just another step towards being legitimate now that we have twitter it only took a year and a half (laughs) (laughs) now we can tweet things (laughs) yes i can and also i hope you have a very safe friday the 13th if you're listening to this yes as it drops safe uh happy and also on like I think it's like midnight 30 on September 14th. It's a full moon. <laughs> so I hope you all stay safe and sleep well tonight. <laughs> and thanks for listening, guys. Yes. Thank you. We really just appreciate getting to spend this time with you. And we like putting the show together. We like playing with you guys on the internet. It's that sounds a, weird. <laughs> I know. It does sound weird, but it's just like we're little kids again, and we're all hanging out and having fun, and I don't know. I love it. So thanks, guys. I love it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so drink. Farm. And, and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye, guys. We drink things. We farm things. We drink and farm things.